Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to me. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music.
Alan Vachey. And it says that bassist Phil Fanagan, F-A-N-I-G-A-N, was there a, is there a bass player called Phil Fanagan and not Phil Flanagan? Is it a typographical error? We'll have to look at that. You know about these things. I don't. Is the, Oh, thank you for listening to The Humble Farm, by the way. With any luck at all, you know, I am playing old-fashioned music just for you every day right here on your favorite radio station. Thank you. Thank you again for listening. Is there anything more exhausting for a three-year-old child than spending a rare weekend with a loving and indulgent grandmother? Here's the poor little kid all tucked in, you know, as Mimi reads a bedtime story. And every time the little eyes close, there's a loving tug on the child's sleeve, and they wake up, wake up. Don't you want to hear what happened to Peter Rabbit?
And now on a good life's great mysteries. I've in my hand a Ghana CD. I played it for you on May nineteenth, last May nineteenth, and I just put it in the machine and it would not play. And I took it out and it is all scratched and completely destroyed. Now how could this happen? I have hundreds of C well. I have a couple hundred CDs, and I had them for years and years and years. And yet here is one in the case that I used on May 19th. How could this Ghana CD have got completely destroyed inside of its case? These are things that... Have you had things happen to you that you wonder about and say, this? how in the world could that have happened? does not play. It's all scratched to pieces and it seems to be in the right box. And now it's forever gone. Stomping at the Savoy Humorask, dearly beloved. How do these things happen? So much for my worries and, and groans and moans. What a thing Hunter S. Thompson was. One of my friends who's a very clever writer in Portland, says a lot of good things about me on her webpage. Now listen, listen to what this woman friend says. Do you know the humble farmer? He's on the radio, and he's brilliant. No description of mine will do his show justice, but I'll give it a go. It's as if Hunter S. Thompson has taken over the airwaves for an hour every week. Yes, I'm like you. I wondered who this Hunter S. Thompson was too, so I googled him. My word, you'll have to Google Hunter S. Thompson yourself. And all I'm going to say is that when Hunter S. Thompson ran for sheriff, his opponent had a crew cut. And of course, Hunter S. Thompson did what you or I would do if we were running for sheriff against a man who sported a crew cut. Hunter S. Thompson shaved his head so he could refer to him as my long-haired opponent.
Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to Alan Vachet here on The Humble Farmer. Where, with any luck at all, I have to say that every time, you never know. With any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week this time. Thank you again for listening. I am the humble farmer at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And this, well, this might not be for you if you have never read a science fiction book. But I'm going to throw it in here anyway because I think Mel Brooks would like it. If you were writing science fiction that entailed space travel, would you have the courage to create a planet called Scarsdale? and name your protagonist Peter Smith? If you could ever get your tale published, imagine the reaction Peter Smith from Scarsdale would have on an experienced reader of science fiction who is, of course, familiar with the space travel formula. You've seen this. The spaceship touches down. The hatch releases blue vapors as it slowly slides open. And then the slowly emerging figure moves down the ramp, arms outstretched. Of course, at this point, the reader expects the visitor to say, My name is Zarel, and I come from Kalgar.
is all controlled by music. So from morn till dark, be a lark and just sing, and you can have your fling. Accomplish anything if you will only sing. Chid Weems from around when? Let me look and see when that was. Probably 1928-1929. Even before my time, I was out in my barn very purposefully sawing a half-inch stick in two with a very dull handsaw when a car drove into my dooryard. A woman got out of the car and went inside to do women business and the man whom I had never seen before, walked over to see what I was doing in the barn. He watched intently for a few seconds, and I was just about to compliment him for being strong enough, you know, to simply stand and watch without helping, when both of his hands shot out. We have talked about this before. It takes a unique individual It takes a powerful man who is secure within himself to stand back and watch a neighbor engaged in some intricate operation without feeling obligated to elbow him aside and show him that you can do it better, you know. Show him that he can do it better. Does this happen on all levels of society? Does Dr. Jones look over a colleague's shoulder in the operating room and say, Hey, Perhaps you should remove all of those little metal clamps before sewing up the chest cavity. I don't know. I'm the humble farmer at gmail.com, and you can tell me about the last time it happened to you. I don't mean operate on someone's chest. I mean the last time some, let me show you, boy, elbowed you out of the way to show you how it should be done. Now, please don't confuse this with that other situation where you're standing in your friend's kitchen and ask for a drink of water and they say, hey, uh, you've got to let that water run a little while, you know, before it gets cold.
Alan Bechet on The Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer with any luck at all. With any luck at all. You can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time right here on your favorite radio station. Thank you again for listening. There are times, we're going to talk about art now, ready for art? There are times when I would go along with an educated guess, and there are times when an educated guess is probably no more than hooey. Can we possibly know what men were thinking 30,000 years ago when they painted woolly mammoths on cave walls? What do you think? One authority writes, The probability is that the leading cave artists were great men who gave themselves airs. <laughs> Would you not suspect that this was written by a person who was at one time or another snubbed by an artist? I live in St. George, Maine. St. George, Maine is a town that is infested with artists. And from what I've heard and seen, artists are no snobbier than house painters or plumbers. And should an artist produce his or her impression of me on canvas, and many have done so, there is no way you can get me to believe that they have captured my soul. The most impressive, the most famous painting an artist ever did of me was one in which he left me out. I posed for it. The name of that painting is the bell rope, the bell rope. A rope that was used to pull the church bell had more personality than I did. After he'd done the pencil sketches, he, the artist said he got thinking about it and realized that the final picture was better without me. Just the bell rope. Did you know that anthropologists no longer think that cave painters believe their pictures brought them luck in the hunt? It seems that superstition was introduced thousands of years later when it was used quite effectively to squeeze money out of people. Now, you and I have read in many places that artists often have affairs with their models. But do not professors have affairs with their students and do not people who work in stores or offices hold hands behind the water cooler? Perhaps you've done it. And even if you are not an artist... How many times have you invited some innocent and unsuspecting young thing into your home ostensibly to view your art collection? Okay, I, I think I've done a pretty good job here defending my artist friends. They are really no more devious than you or I. But just so you can come to your own conclusion, what do you suppose could have been on this Spanish painter's mind some 15,000 years ago? Here is a quote from an art critic. Some of these works are photographed, but the camera gives a poor idea of their nature and quality. Some are difficult to see anyway. The best part of Altamira has to be studied lying down. Sitting at the upright, my sweetie and me Pushing on the pedals, making sweet harmony When we hear rinkity-tink And we hear blinkity-pling We cuddle closer, it seems And while we kiss, kiss, kiss away all our cares Play 
wanna hear it again, I wanna hear it again. The old piano roll Upright, my sweetie and me Pushing on the pedals, making sweet harmony When we hear rinkety-tink And we hear plinkety-plink We cuddle closer, it seems And while we kiss, kiss, kiss away all our cares The piano's playing a razzmatazz I want to hear it again, I want to hear it again The old piano roll Was that piano in tune? It sounded awful out of tune when it started there. Is that just my ear? Did you say to yourself, my word, that piano is way out of whack. Listen closely. Oh, Hoagie Carmichael, by the way. Listen closely and you will learn how not to grill meat. When I asked my computer guru what he liked, he said porterhouse steak. My wife, Marsha, the almost perfect woman, went to the market and when she came home, after ensuring a comfortable retirement for two ranchers in Montana, I went into my storage shed and dug out a gas grill. I hadn't used it for years. It had rusted out. It broke in two when I picked it up, so I threw it aside and I dug out another gas grill. Two small school desks were on top of it, so I brought one of, them, one of these school desks into the house for the grandchildren. Do you find surprises in your storage shed if you only look in there once a year? This is sad. Carpenter ants had invaded our fir tree friend, John Longwood, and there was a ten-inch pile of fine sawdust between his legs. You remember my friend John Longwood. It lives in the hen house there. Anyway, I dragged the grill up to the driveway. I hooked up a gas bottle and I touched her off. Bad, bad plan. First, you should take it apart, take it all apart, and clean out generations of little smiling mouse skulls and everything else that's collected and been left behind over the past 15 years. And, and even after taking the grill apart, washing it out and putting it back together, well, be prepared for a unique experience when you warm up those little volcanic rocks in your grill after they have soaked in mouse urine for 12 years. Then, 
leaving nothing to chance when I got that far. I emailed my friend Nick Dilla in Great Barrington, Massachusetts, to find out how to use a grill. Grilla Dilla, as he is called, is one of the world's leading experts on grilling everything but hardened criminals. And Grilla Dilla sent me 123 pages of his book asking for nothing in return but a Norbert Twitchell t-shirt. Yes, Grilla Dilla sent me comprehensive directions on how to use a grill. But of course, of course, nowhere did I read that the dripping juice would catch on fire. So I followed the directions and stood there like a nummy and watched the meat burn to a crisp.
What a risky thing. Imagine coming up on something like that and missing the last note. I had a guy do it. I think it was something called the Haydn Trumpet Concerto or something. Come to the very end, the high note, and the guy had practiced it for years and he muffed it at a concert. What a sad thing. Oh, it is time to remind you that you are listening to The Humble Farmer on your favorite radio station. With any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time right here. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Humble Farmer question for the week is, have you ever seen a ghost? Have you ever seen a stone statue cry? I have seen something that fits into the same category, and I am going to tell you about it now. This is not something I would say in a room crowded with strangers, because it would immediately destroy my credibility. But I can tell you what I saw out on the highway yesterday, because you have listened to me for years and years, and you know that however improbable my story, it is the truth. Please listen to this. Yesterday, out on the highway, I saw a Volvo station wagon with no canoe or ski racks. Way down among Brazilians, coffee beans grow by the billions, so they've got to find those extra cups to fill. They got an awful lot of coffee in Brazil. You can't get cherry soda, cause they've got to sell their quota. And the way things are, I guess they never will. They've got a zillion tons of coffee in Brazil. No tea or tomato juice. You'll see no potato juice. Cause the planters down in Santa's all say no, no, no. A politician's daughter was accused of drinking water and was fined a great big $50 bill. They got an awful lot of coffee in Brazil. Savor, coffee ketchup gives them flavor. Coffee pickles way outsell the dill. Why they put coffee in the coffee in Brazil? No tea, uh uh, or tomato juice. You'll see, no potato juice. Cause the planters down in Santa's all say no, no, no. So you'll add to the local color, serving coffee with a cruller. Dunking doesn't take a lot of skill. They got an awful lot of coffee in Brazil. Man, they got a gang of coffee in Brazil. Hey, Pedro, get the flashlight. I cannot find the sugar. 
do do they prepared the guy for slaughter when they caught him drinking water do 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 Sinatra, the coffee song. I like that song. I used to hear it on the radio when I was a kid. Even I have heard of the book called Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. We are told that it is a practical guide for improving communication and getting, more importantly, getting what you want in your relationships. <laughs> My wife, Marsha, the almost perfect woman, and I do not have a relationship. We are married. We are living proof that two people can live together and get everything that we want without waging war. Please listen closely, men. Because women are the weaker sex, it is up to the man of the house to create and nurture this peaceful environment. For example, yesterday... Before Marsha came home, I went outside and coiled up the water hose and put it on the well curb and coiled up the driveway bell hose and put that on the doorstep. I took out her lawnmower and filled it with gas and had it standing at the ready by the door. And when she came home at four o'clock, she didn't even come in the house for her earplugs. She had a grateful smile on her face, and she had that lawnmower going when I went out there and begged her to stop long enough to protect her ears. Yes, any man willing to follow my example can live in a happy home, free from unkind words and strife. All you have to do is never find fault with anything she does, Agree with her no matter what she says, and get used to not being able to do anything right. Why engage in this senseless battle of the sexes when it is so much easier to sign an unconditional surrender?
Thank you, thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer with any luck at all. You know, I'm right here on your favorite station. With any luck at all, I'm here on your favorite station every week at this time playing old-fashioned music just for you. Have you ever seen men whom you might think have nothing going for them who are married to attractive, intelligent, industrious women? If you asked whatever got them together in the first place, she might say, Oh, he makes me laugh. Unfortunately for many men, they run out of material. Movies, books, and plays have been written about wives who are still able to evoke a painful smile the 38th time they hear their husband tell one of his shop-worn stories. My hat goes off to any woman who can laugh at her husband's old jokes, and any husband who can come up with quality new material has my admiration. Now, you know that I am not one to boast or brag, but I have the ability to make my wife, Masha, the almost perfect woman, laugh anytime, any place. And I am not talking here about a chuckle, but a wholesome, honest laugh that would make Jack Benny proud. To employ the vernacular, I crack her up. Now, you know I have no secrets from you, and you know that I am about to tell you how I do it. Any man is welcome to follow my example, of course, as long as he uses his own wife, and chalks up a mental thanks to me each time. Are you ready to write this down? I gently seize my wife, Marsha, by the shoulders. I gaze deeply and lovingly into her eyes, and then, having captured her attention, as it were, I say with a deep and mellifluous voice, My dear, please remember that I am the boss in this house. (laughs) 